and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? This is it! Five, six, seven, eight. You've got talent. Let's see what we can do with it. You're gonna make me believe that you belong on that stage. Dancing on that show is my dream. future in-laws, you must demonstrate a sense of dignity and refinement. You must also be poised. Um, pardon me? And silent. Could I just take that back? One moment. <gasps> And welcome, folks, to the Movie Musical Shakedown. I am one of your hosts, Chris Peterson, founder and editor-in-chief of Onstage Blog and OnStageBlog.com. Really, really excited that you're joining us for what should be a really fun episode. I'm really looking forward to getting into it because we are talking about one of my favorite, favorite animated musicals this week, Disney's 1998 hit Mulan. And... This is kind of personal for me, uh, being a Korean-American, talking about really one of the first animated films uh, from a major company, from a major American company, uh, to feature Asian characters. You know, really for the first time ever, I got to see kind of myself on screen. And yes, I look at myself as Lee Shang uh, in this movie, but, you know, that's besides the point. <laughs> but no, this is this is by far one of my favorite movies. Um I, I feel it's a movie that really is kind of kept on the back burner, doesn't maybe get the credit it deserves when you compare it to a lot of the other Disney princess uh, collection of films. Uh, but it's a good one, and I definitely recommend it. It's a quick watch. It feels like a quick quick watch. Uh, it doesn't feel like a long movie at all. Uh, heavy on the action. Um, astonishingly violent, I guess you could say, for a Disney film. Um it, you know, we're, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but trivia note, it has one of the highest body counts of any movie ever when you really think about it. So uh, really excited to talk about that aspect of the film. And, you know, of course, it, it's timely that we do this one because the live action reboot remake that Disney has been doing with all their films uh, is coming out soon. I think I don't know. It was it's supposed to you know, it was supposed to come out. Uh, in April, uh, it looks like you know it's been pushed back till who knows when at this point. But we're getting it at some point, so we're definitely going to be talking a little bit about that. Uh, but join with me this week is Grace Aki, who is just crushing it right now in the world of podcasting. Her new podcast, Tell Me on a Sunday, is um, fantastic. She's had some amazing guests so far, such as Ethan Slater and Josh Lehman and Drew Gasparini. So it's just, I mean, it's it's a great, great podcast, and you can listen to it right here on the Onstage Blog Podcast Network or anywhere else you find your podcast. So that's a really quick plug uh, for that. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Grace will be joining us. 
We're going to dip into everything. We're going to be talking about this amazing cast. Uh, Eddie Murphy as Mushu. We're going to be talking about the ageless Migna Wen, the music. I mean, early Christina Aguilera. Trust me, we're going to get into all of it. So, like I said, quick break. Grace is then going to join us. But first, as always, here is the trailer. From Walt Disney Home Video comes the story of a young girl who found the courage to risk everything for the honor of her family. It's going to take a miracle to get me into the army. Did I hear someone ask for a miracle? My ancestor sent a little lizard to help me. Dragon, not lizard. I don't do that tongue thing. We're under attack! I've got an idea. Who are you? Your worst nightmare. Disney's Mulan. You the man! Well, sort of. Coming to video February 2nd, 1999. And we're back. And as always, Grace is joining us now. How are you, Grace? I'm I'm feeling fantastic. You're feeling good. Okay, you're still feeling okay. It hasn't, you know, it hasn't washed over me. <laughs> quite yet because um a lot of my jobs are like remote and a lot of them you know like we're recording this podcast i'm recording my podcast like we're just having a good time and i think in a couple days it's gonna set in Mm. that i haven't worn makeup in weeks i mean this this hoodie sweatshirt i'm wearing has been my go-to outfit for the past couple days so i i get it i get it fair enough um but you know that it's funny you say that because now like you know, when I used to ask for guests on my podcasts and things, I would always get that same excuse. Oh, I'm in a show right now. So many things going on. So I jokingly said to a lot of my friends, I was like, look, you really don't have an excuse not to be on my podcast anymore. So <laughs> <laughs> I thought of the same thing. I was like, well, so-and-so remember how busy you were. Right. It's like, am I getting, is this getting in the way of your streaming the West wing on Netflix? I don't know. Who knows? But, um, <laughs> Anyway, the good news is we're going to be doing a lot of these podcasts. My wife and I are like basically watching a movie per night, and you and I are finally talking and whatnot. So Great. there's a lot of time. So there's a lot of time available to watch movie musicals. Uh, but we wanted to do Mulan, and this is a very significant and special movie to both of us. I mean, this was like you wrote in like capital letters, like Mulan exclamation point of like which ones you wanted to do, and uh, this has you know very special meaning to me as well. But because we're both, you know, Asian. We're both Asian American. We are. I mean, Grace, what is your background? I don't think I've ever asked you this. I'm Japanese American. Um, mm-hmm. My mom immigrated from Japan when she was three, and uh, my grandmother was tried as a spy even in the '60s because oh I guess you know people are still racist. Um, mm-hmm. You think? <laughs> so, I mean, surprisingly, right? Surprisingly, and then they, of course, immigrated to Georgia, and that was a whole can of worms as well. But um, yeah, so I am a proud Japanese American and um, I, growing up with this movie, especially, I had never seen, whenever my grandmother, even though it's not Japanese, um, I never found like a Disney princess that I could go through Halloween feeling closer to, you know, like um, everyone was Jasmine. If you were kind of brown, everyone was. (laughs) Um, you know, and so, uh, Mulan, when it came out, I was like, oh, I can dress up like that. Cause I have kimonos at home, you know? So, yeah. That's awesome. Same thing for me. I mean, as a Korean American mm-hmm. myself, um, 
this was the first like animated movie I've ever seen where I saw someone that kind of resembled me in a way. And you know, that was something that was really significant. This movie came out in 1998. Mm. I'm a junior in high school at that point. Um, (laughs) You know, I had seen, I think it was Hercules that came out the year before. Mm. And I remember sitting in the theater and the, the preview for Milan came up and it was this, I thought the most badass trailer for an animated film I've ever seen. Oh Yeah. Like there's this like long shot of her sitting in that like kind of stone throne thing, uh, and yeah. then she like oh god, it was just really dramatic. Like it's oh dramatic. my gosh, it's, it's yeah. And we hadn't seen someone, especially a female, be so epic. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So really amped to see this movie. Saw it opening weekend with my girlfriend at the time, and we just made out during the entire movie. So okay. um, they didn't catch much of the first year. <laughs> um, any, yeah, yeah. But definitely second view. Now describe your first time seeing this movie. Um, I know that I, I think I saw it when it came out and I was soups little. So, <laughs> but I will say that I watched it like a million times. Like as soon as it came out to VHS, I was like, that's going to be my movie. And I even bought the little hair comb that she puts in her hair <laughs> um, at the, you know, at the end with the dad uh, and then cherry blossoms. It was just like, it was really iconic and like everything that came out, like, do you remember when McDonald's did the whole, cause I think this is like a Rick and Morty bit. Yes. But, um, <laughs> they came out with that. Um, the Szechuan sauce. The Szechuan sauce. <laughs> and it's delicious. This was big. This was a mm-hmm. big thing. It, it, it was huge. And um, yeah, no, I getting through, I've, I've probably seen this movie. I would say a handful of times. It's not like an oh, constant yeah. annual staple, like some other animated movies, but um What's awesome is I have a five-year-old son now and I showed him this movie the first time and he calls it the army lady movie um, because he's like, I want to watch the movie with the army lady. Um, But he loves it. He absolutely loves this movie. And so I'm kind of getting to see it through his eyes now, which was a lot of fun. But yeah, rewatching it for this podcast was a lot of fun. Yeah. No, it's, it's funny to watch it. And also like, (laughs) it's also funny to watch it through a 2020 lens. Hmm. Because, and I know that we're going to talk about this, so I won't even get into it, but like deciding if you want to enjoy something or if you want to be offended by it. That's a good point. You know, and I think that like, you know, Disney, you know, hop, skippity jumps on that line all the time. And, (laughs) and I think that like, you know, we get to choose as viewers, like if we're going to say, you know what, that's okay. You know, or if we're like that, come on. (laughs) Yeah. So. So uh, yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into it. So some of the things that that really kind of jumped out to me, I don't know about you, in the in the years since this movie came out, I always felt like Mulan has never really gotten its its due, so to speak, among the Disney princess staple. How do you feel about that? Okay, so I actually had this thought and I wrote it down because the last time I was in Disney World, I tried to take note. So like when you go to Disney World, <laughs> You get to go to like Epcot and the World Showcase and then they show like kind of like all the Disney princesses that are from those countries and like, you know, Snow White is German. Um, Anna and Elsa do uh, they're like the Norwegian mm-hmm. area and then you get to China and there's nothing. <laughs> and, and, and no, I mean, there's like a huge amount like they do a lot of like. Chinese culture and then they've got like you know huge gift shops and then they have egg rolls for sale and then nothing really about Mulan and it is kind of bizarre yeah 
I don't really know why. And I know that it has to do with like, you know, over time, the amount of like cult following, I don't think it's completely like a racist thing because I look at, you know, do you think that when you go to France, they have a Quasimodo ride? No, they don't. Right. (laughs) So (laughs) I don't think it's like a racist moment, but I think it's kind of bizarre that they have an iconic figure to showcase and they Mm -hmm. don't. Um, And I think it's also weird that, you know, whenever you see the princesses all together, uh, whether it's, you know, in a, in a movie or like Wreck-It Ralph 2, you just don't see her. Yeah. It's weird. And when you do, um, this might sound again, I don't know what it is when you do see Mulan in the parks. Cause I, I actually, last time I was there, I saw her, I got my picture taken with her, uh, which is awesome. Um, she's always in, she's, she's always in like, like the, um, opening scene matchmaker. I was about to say, bring on her to us all outfit. Yeah. She's mm-hmm. never in that fully armor. She's never in her disguise. It's always her as the princess. It's never her as Ping. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, where is Ping? Now, I, I think the reason why she's not a, a, a staple in the Chinese uh, section of the, the World Showcase is I feel like there's this like great divide of debate amongst Asian Americans and Asian fans for this movie. So I've heard everybody who loves it and feels it's a great representation of Chinese culture. And I've heard the complete opposite in saying this movie just exploits stereotypes. And, and right. I'm like, I don't, I don't think it does, but I'm not Chinese either. So I'm like, right. Yeah. It's funny because like you and I <laughs> were part of this spectrum and yet we are not. No. <laughs> and, and so, and that's the, that's the other thing is like even growing up watching this movie. And when it came out, I was like in school People like, even though I'm a hint of Japanese and I'm not at all Chinese, people called me Ping for two years. <laughs> so it's just weird, you know? And, and, and I don't know. American culture is funny. Anyways, let's get into it. Let's get into it. So let's talk about the, the, the some of the, the great things about this movie. Um, let's start with the cast. We have an incredible cast lined up for voice acting. One thing that I loved about this movie is the majority of it is all Asian actors um, doing these voices. And I think, you know, this is 1998. They easily could have put this full chock full of white people. Like they They did kind of, you know, and, and, you know, we wouldn't have necessarily let, let uh, pitchforks for it, so to speak, but um, they were very smart to do that. First of all, Ming-Na Wen doing the voice of Mulan, the speaking oh. voice of Mulan, I should say. The ageless Ming-Nan Wen, by the way. I saw a picture of it the other day where it was like side by side with the premiere of Mulan then and now. And it's like, you know, she hasn't. She, that was you know, unreal. Unreal. <laughs> unreal. Dis- new, newly minted Disney Hall of Famer. Um, what did you think about her performance in this movie? I honestly really appreciated it. I thought there was a lot of like girl strength, nuance. I, I really thought that this was a great vocal performance by a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then of course, like our mutual friend BD Wong in it as well. BD Wong, my boy, who is gonna be on my podcast in a couple weeks, you guys. Did you ask him about Mulan at all? I, I, I definitely did, and I do have some tea. Okay, all right. I'm I cannot the little tease there. I can't well, wait for that. Yes. Um, but I love I mean the when I looked at the, all these actors, all these Asian actors, I mean, from BD Wong to Pat Morita to James Hong to 
George Takai is, is has like a very small role in this. They're yeah. all my favorite people. Like all it's like, it's, it's funny because famously, I don't know about other Asian Americans, but I remember my grandmother, my Japanese grandmother always being like, George Takai is such a mean person. <laughs> and I would always be like, why do you say that? She was like, it's in the gossip columns. <laughs> <laughs> She used to say that, and I was just like, okay, well, I just love that there's, like, these Asian gossip columns being like, that guy? No. (laughs) (laughs) I want to read those. Right, I know. I want to find them. I want to know where they are. Oh, my gosh. And then Manuel Ferreira, of all people, uh, playing the villain in this one. I mean, another great actor. Uh, He would show up a lot. Absolutely terrifying, you guys. Mm. Absolutely terrifying. And, again, we don't know how he's depicted or how – you know, this new live action is, but I remember being absolutely terrified when like the, ah, like, the, <laughs> like the, the bird would come down onto his shoulder and then the music would get super intense. Huge, mm. huge. What else, what else uh, did, did you notice or um, take down when you're watching this again? You know what I loved? I loved all of the additions because I didn't really notice them when I was little. And like now just noticing the little tiny additions of like the ancestors and then all of the friends that she makes along the way in the army um how individualized these characters are like completely and like tied to their heritage and just unique and i don't know i just really appreciated watching that this time and the art direction is unreal unreal we'll definitely get into that but yeah, yeah. no it is it is it is one of the most epic animated films that I think Disney um, has ever yeah. done. Um, what do you think about the music overall? I mean, Disney's known for these movie musicals. Um, this is yeah. post kind of the Alan Menken, uh, Howard Ashman renaissance, so to speak. Yeah. But uh, the music was done by Matthew Wilder, uh, mm-hmm. who um, hasn't really done much in terms of musicals. Um, and David Zippel, who has done a lot of, of musicals. Right. What do you think? What do you think of the, the, the music overall? Um, I think that, I think it's just nostalgia for me. I absolutely love this music. And I think that it's got a great heart and I've always wanted to see it on stage. And I think that that's the mark of a good movie musical is when you say, but I want to see it in front of me. And then, you know, like we talked about it. I always bring it up, but like, that's how you talk about Moulin Rouge, even though it's not completely um, original music. Mm -hmm. You, you, every time you watch it, you go, gosh, what I would give, what I would give to see that on stage. And, And I think that every time I watch Mulan, whether I'm babysitting or for this podcast, I think it every time. Oh my gosh. Oh, I love it. I love it. What else you got for this? Um, you know what? It's funny. I was listening more so for the voice acting this time. Uh, and, uh, just because, you know, like now we've kind of, when you grow up a little bit, you start to go, okay, which actor is that? Who's doing this? And like Harvey Firestein (laughs) (laughs) and granted not culturally appropriate to cast him. And yet do we care? We don't because it's really funny to see him do King of the Rock. So (laughs) that's my, that's my little take. (laughs) I loved it. I yeah. loved it. So before we move on to our categories, I ha- I was able to pull up some interesting factoids about Mulan that I had of wanted to share oh my with God, you. Please share them right now. And and, and you're Disney like, I mean, freak fan. I mean, it, yeah. it, it, you know, I saw your pictures from Disney when you were down there. You looked like you were just in heaven. So there's, I mean, <laughs> I get it. I was. So trivia question for you, Grace. Mm-hmm. Mulan is the second Disney princess. Of the, when this movie came out, she was the second Disney princess uh, to have both of her parents alive and present through the entire film. 
Can you name the one before her? Aurora. Congratulations. <gasps> now, <laughs> there yeah. were three princesses after uh, Merida. Her. Yeah, that's one. And, uh, okay, so Aurora, Merida, Mulan. There's another? There's two more. <gasps> uh, oh, uh, I don't think I can get fairly, it. Fairly recent movies. Oh, 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 Tangled. Yep. Yeah, Tangled. and then um, uh, the, throughout the whole movie? Throughout, they're, they're alive. <laughs> they, they make it to the end. They make it. <laughs> okay, I don't know the last. Moana. Oh. Moana. Yeah. So both her, both Moana's parents oh. are alive. Although I heard in recent, like early drafts, they, the mom was not going to make it. But that's true. And can yeah. I tell you a little factoid? Because I have this. Because I'm friends with her. <laughs> Ali'i, the girl who voices Moana. Uh huh. The name of the pig in the movie is named after her actual mom, Pua. <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah, they they asked her um, if she wanted to like incorporate any of her family because she's very close with her mom. Um, it's just kind of like her and mom against the world. And uh, she said, "Oh, can we name my little pig friend Pua after my mom?" So, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. How Amazing. Cute. Uh, Mulan is one of only two Disney princesses who wears trousers. Can you name the other one? Uh, Jane from Tarzan. Is she a princess? Mm, she's not a princess. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Pants, pants, pants. Oh my gosh, that's so hard. Hard, right? Princesses. Princesses wearing pants. Wearing pants. I feel like this is like a, an acting school um, uh, voice uh, thing. <laughs> wearing pants. Pants and princesses. Um, I, th I Gosh, actually, you're going to have to tell me. Uh, Jasmine. Jasmine and those darned gauchos. Yep. <laughs> Dan, those gorgeous pantalones. And let me just say, on Broadway, just mm -hmm. say, not that we know what Broadway looks like right now. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, finally, this movie, if you truly are being honest with, with themselves, um, Mulan it should be credited as high, having the highest body count of any film ever made. <laughs> to defeat the huns exactly so when you, add, when you add in the huns uh during that avalanche scene when you add oh. in li shang's father's army and then like the four other people that apparently died during this movie it brings up the body count to 3994 um and mulan kills 299 of them That's so cuckoo crazy uh the only the movie that is second to that i guess would be uh, the Lord of the Rings: Return of the King at eight hundred and thirty-six. So this would have oh, quite wow. the, yeah, different body count, and it's no a Disney comparison. Movie. No comparison. So, um, yeah, crazy, crazy, okay, crazy, wow. crazy. Well, let's get into the categories. Let's let's do this. Let's so do the first category we always like to do is dusty room moments. Are there any emotional moments for you in Mulan? Okay, okay, I'm gonna break it down, and if I make you cry, I'm sorry, <laughs> but. The moment that I wrote down that when I was watching it now at this point in my life, um, I have lost my father when she goes into his wardrobe room or no, no, when she's watching him um, attempt to fight after he's been called mm -hmm. to fight. And it's like that, you know, it's, it's at night and she's kind of watching through the shutter 
doors and it's the shadow of him and he kind of like breaks down and and can't throw the sword like he used to i lost it wow i was like I, because because they in storytelling was you know you're a young person or however old you you are when you're watching this you absolutely are like you have to do this you have to go and fight for him and you know, that doesn't happen all the time in a Disney movie where you're absolutely, like, compelled to see a character do something for somebody else. And um, that one just really got to me this time. Yeah, how could it? Uh, yeah, no, that's, that's that's a great moment. And I think, you know, that, that father-daughter dynamic mm-hmm. – throughout the entire film i mean when when they discover that she leaves and and the mom's like you got to tell someone he's like look if i do yeah they're gonna they, they i can't yeah. yeah i mean that is that gut-wrenching was it was a lot that's <laughs> a lot absolutely for me i mean yeah. i got i mean I, honestly i got emotional you know a lot during this movie like a lot of the father-daughter dynamic got to me um just seeing these sweeping scenes of of especially at the end with the crowd at the, yeah. at the the palace i'm like oh my god what a gorgeous animation um done and oh, and i i love bows oh gosh when everybody bows i'm like i'm done i'm out <laughs> you guys i'm dabbing right now oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, i i'm just i'm out at that point and then also like i i don't know why i just i i got super emotional when they discover lee shang's father's army um dead in the valley so to speak and and just watching li shang's reaction to all of this and i just found that remarkably moving this time i was like wow they really captured acting that you know strong acting and animation which sometimes um you don't normally see but i thought that was great um any other emotional high notes for you in this one um okay this is okay i'm gonna be silly for a second but you know the part um well, well, yeah, you do. Um, but, okay, so when he reveals that she's a woman and he's like, she's a woman, I either cry or laugh every time. <laughs> the other, And this recent time I laugh because it was like, we all know, but like the reveal every time because of the music intensity hits so hard and you're like, oh. <gasps> I just think that that moment is just really <laughs> iconic. That's all. I love it. I love it. That's fantastic. All right. Well, <laughs> on the flip side, Grace, I mean, we, we mentioned this earlier. That we, we have a category called yeesh moments okay. and where things don't necessarily age as, as well as they should. Um, did you have any yeesh moments? All right. <laughs> Guys, <laughs> <laughs> we love Eddie Murphy. We love him. We love to see him. I love him. I'm a huge Eddie Murphy fan, and I know that that can be problematic sometimes, but that man was robbed of a Dream Girls Academy Award because he did Norbit that year, and I'm just saying that we owe him a lot. But when he just, I get that, you know, they're trying to do this, like, funny, just, like, the idea of Mushu in existence at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little yeeshy now. When I was a kid, was I yeeshed? No, it was great. It was funny. I think that you can still have a funny, funny sidekick. I just think that some of it is a little like not well executed. What are your thoughts? You know, it's interesting. Halfway through the movie, I started really asking myself, right? If Mushu wasn't in this movie, would I? Would it be any different? 
like doesn't other than like the, the occasional laugh here and there and of course the banter with the ancestors at the beginning of the movie yeah like is there a purpose for mushu and mm-hmm. as opposed to any other creature i mean the cricket is is basically in the entire movie so you've got multiple and there's a dog in the beginning so you've got like three different species of of sidekicks in a way that could easily mm-hmm. kind of fill that that role um yeah i i had i had some issues there and then yeah, this is one of only two voiceover acting roles that Eddie Murphy's ever done, along with Donkey in Shrek, and he basically does the same thing in Shrek. Um, so yeah, there there were some things. I mean, there were a little, a couple. There was one thing where there's a scene where um, she's bathing or something like that, and he says something about being able to see through armor, and I was just like, ugh, it's not a great comment for a, a Disney movie. And that that kind of made me do a quick like, oh gosh. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I definitely see the point that you're making. Yeah, and you know what, though? I also believe that that movie deserves a lot of uh, comedic breaks because it's a very intense subject matter for a mm. child. Yeah. And even though they have Disneyed it, the truth is is that a girl has left her family to fight for her father and is risking her sexual safety. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, there's a lot at stake. And I think that we have to have a comedic moment and um, that's what they gave us. So there you yeah, go. Absolutely. I mean, I think a big, I mean, a real initial yeesh for me was mm-hmm. um, having Donny Osmond be the singing voice for, for Lee Shang. And let's I'm like, talk about it. You let's brought talk it about up. it. Let's talk about it. Because B- me and my best friend, BD Wong, we're talking about it. And here's the deal, guys. BD can sing. He can have, sing. Have you heard him sing? He, he got a Tony for Madam Butterfly. He was in Your Good Man, Charlie Brown. The guy can sing, and by the way, is debuting a musical that he has written based on Mr. Holland's opus. Guys, the guy can sing. The guy can sing. When they told him (laughs) that they were going to have Donny Osmond, he was like, okay, that's fine. But they didn't, I don't know that they even really asked, would you like to sing it? I think that they were just like, oh, well, we have Leah Salonga singing for, you know, Mulan. What should we have Shang? And so I think that they just wanted the star power. There's a lot of star power on this album. We'll get into it later. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it doesn't make sense at all. <laughs> the end. I mean, and of course, like to, to be over, you know, to be passed over for singing, that's one thing. But when you're passed over for maybe the whitest entertainer, imaginable in Donny Osmond. I mean, when oh, I think of the Osmond, yes. I think white. <laughs> this is also bizarre. BD sang. I think he sang it like just for himself sometime. He sounds exactly like <laughs> Donny Osmond. I mean, when I heard, when I first heard this, this soundtrack, I thought it was him. I honestly thought like that yeah. was BD for years almost. Same. Was- no, no, actually same. And then I was researching for like our podcast moment. And then I realized that he did not sing that. And then I was like, I've got to talk about this because that's bizarre. You sing. <laughs> that's so you freaking sing. That's so creepy. Anyways. Okay. Anyways. Um, and so that was the big, that was a big yeesh for me. And then the, the, the only other yeesh was, and this has become a, a, a huge conversation in the years since, especially now, is this whole Lee Shang Mulan relationship. And I don't know if I even call it a yeesh type of thing. I mean, a lot of people are are trying to say it's a me too situation. You know, okay. I'm not going to discredit someone for feeling that way, but I definitely, I don't see it that way. I think I question Shang's sexuality. 
Yeah, like I, I be hundred percent calling like the first bisexual like Disney, you know, character. Like, why not? Also, I think that it's great to note that perhaps to tell, like, I don't know if they could have actually fleshed this out because it might be too much. But like to explain to people and especially boys that like if you fall in love with someone, that's okay. That's okay. Like, and regardless of um, whatever parts they present or genders they identify with, like <laughs> maybe, maybe this was like a calling out to that. I don't know. And I hope that that's the intention, but that's what it is for me. I mean, on a completely unrelated note, cause we have, we haven't seen a lot of these types of characters in animated movies. We've seen glimpses. Uh, like there was a, you know, uh, two moms in finding Dory, but I mean, if you blinked, you missed them type of situation. But I just watched, um, I don't know if you've seen it yet, the new Adams Family animated movie no. that came out. There's a character in there that easily, easily could be a non-binary, non-conforming character. Her na- you know, the character's name is Parker, and the way that she is, you know, designed is is very looks very much like a non-binary person. Mm. And it so like they were this close, but then they just kept referring to her as her throughout the entire movie i was like oh what a missed opportunity but um Sorry. we're getting there we're getting there. and you know what lee shang started it all so there you go i'll give yeah. i'll give my boy bd credit for that one um yeah. so let's get into some lingering questions real quick did you have any lingering questions about this movie yeah i think that actually my lingering question went to what we just spoke about oh okay. Like Perfect. If they had actually because i wrote this down i was like okay what if they had actually fleshed out um that romantic aspect of like not being binary um because i think they could have they actually could have they were so close um so that was my lingering question and um also um what if mushu had been directed differently um if that had not been my boy eddie also this was the this was the renaissance of now hiring celebrities to be funny secondary characters you know the the beginning was robin williams and then it kind of all went from there um but what if what if we had cast just a bunch of asian american or asian uh voiceover character actors like would this have helped not perpetuate that you have to just have 20 celebrities to to see you know uh rio (laughs) (laughs) you know like um can we just continue to like flesh out you know character acting and voice acting and um yeah so that was me what about you <laughs> great point honestly yeah i had no lingering questions uh this movie does a good job of tying everything up um yeah, yeah i mean the only question i had was like was was the villain the only i can't remember his name i'm drawing a blank off the sudden um was the only really the only one that survived that that the um, avalanche the avalanche it seems like he was you know, or like him and, and his like his like three or four cohorts you know, were the ones yeah. that constantly survived everything. I was just like, that's a little, okay, I guess. <laughs> oh my gosh. Also, you guys, I made my grandmother, just because you kind of brought this up, I made my grandmother make me that little doll <laughs> that they find. Oh, like, nice. A doll from the past. Over the past, there must be a village with children or whatever it is. <laughs> and I was like, I want that doll. <laughs> this movie 
does such a good job of doing the most evil things off screen that uh, of any Disney movie ever. I mean, from the guy when he shoots the arrow saying there's, you know, yes. you don't need two people to deliver a message. I was like, oh, oh, my God, that's dark. So badass, um, you guys. It is so badass. Watching it now, it you get even more chills. So rewatch, mm-hmm. please. Um, lingering questions. I don't know if that single lantern cannon thing that she did would have caused that avalanche i'm i still i don't i'm not a, uh, an expert in physics let's just believe chris <laughs> <laughs> maybe they they explain that differently in the remake which we'll get to but like i don't know maybe 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 that but um yeah those are the only lingering questions i had um all right well before you start rating the dancing and the singing and the acting and, and all that um i got some casting what ifs to throw at you <laughs> Okay. Because I was able to find some. I was really excited about this. So oh, nice. So here's a cool story. Um, mm-hmm. Leia Salonga, who we adore, uh, right. was you know obviously the singing voice for Mulan, but she actually auditioned to be Mulan's speaking voice. Oh, However, um, she her voice was not deemed to be deep enough when she tried to do her ping voice. Uh, she couldn't get <laughs> down to those. Lower, lower registers. Um, so would this have been a better movie with Leia Salonga as, as Ping and as the, the speaking voice? I think I think it, it's nice to feature the voice acting that matches the singing. So I would say yes. Absolutely. Well, I love being that when don't get me wrong, but you know. Oh yeah. No, we're never gonna yeah. <laughs> no, she's iconic. But um if we had had BD and Leah singing and acting, I think oh. that we would be more appreciative of it now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, two other people that were considered for the role of Mulan, the speaking voice that is, uh, was Tia Carrera, who is a yes! very... My queen? My queen, not 90s Asian actress. There you go. I mean, her... I grew my hair out to look like her in Wayne's World. I Did mean, you... Jesus, yes! Are you crazy? <laughs> Tia Carrera is the hottest woman in the world. All right, continue. There you go. And Helen Hunt was also considered Guys. for the role. Um, Helen Hunt, by the way, that was that was her peak. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was her time. What women want, and as good as it gets, and wow, I know too much about her. <laughs> anyway. There you go. Um, Bruce Willis was originally cast as Lee Shang. They actually cast him as Lee Shang. That's right. I think I did know that. Um, you guys, if you haven't watched it, um, there's a documentary on Netflix, and I know you've got time right now. Um, called uh, I think it's Movies That Made Us. And they, they do a whole documentary on Die Hard. And it's about, like, basically Bruce Willis in Die Hard, but also, like, the only reason... Like, it's bizarre that he was even in that movie. And you guys should just watch it. It's interesting. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. Also, Joe Pesci was initially cast as Mushu. So, let me ask you this. Joe okay. Pesci or Eddie Murphy? Okay. Jo- oh, gosh. First of all... Okay. They're... <laughs> I love Joe Pesci. I'm the biggest Goodfellas fan of all time. I think that that would have been bizarre and hysterical, but I would definitely cast him as the Her- Harvey Firestein role. Right? Yeah. No. That would that, make more sense. I, I can't. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, finally, this is not really a casting what if, but this is just kind of a cool casting note, so to speak. But when they made this, when they did this movie for the Chinese translation dubbing um jackie chan was the voice of lee shang oh my goodness that was the coolest thing i've ever heard i was like jackie chan doing the voice of lee shang and he actually did the music video and he also sang um i'll make a man out of you um 
because he's actually a really good singer apparently. And if you go on YouTube, there is a music video of him doing that song. And it is amazing because not only is he singing this song in Cantonese, but he's doing these like martial arts moves throughout the entire, because this is like rumble in the Bronx. This is like, yeah, right before, like this is his prime. Um, But it's, it's magical. You should definitely, definitely check that out when you have a chance. Guys. Oh my gosh. We are really spitting good facts here. This good is- facts. I mean, this is what we do. This is what we do from, uh, from movies we love. Um, all right. Well, let's get into it. Let's rate the, the singing, dancing, acting, and design, because those are all really important to make sure you're nailing uh, yeah. to have a really strong movie musical. So, Grace, I'm going to start with you. How would you rate the singing Okay, for Leah alone, we have to give this a nine. For Leah alone. And like... And also, you know what? I'm just going to say it. For years, I pretended that was B.D. Wong singing. So I'm going to give this all a nine. <laughs> <laughs> I was right. right there with you. I, I gave it an eight. Um, mm-hmm. Only reason being is that I thought some of the characters in um, uh, A Girl We're Fighting For kind of brought the the, the total average down, so to speak. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk yeah. about them later. But yeah. um but other than that, yeah, no, for, for all the reasons that you just said, yeah, I gave it, I gave it high marks. I wish that, I wish Leia had more songs throughout this entire movie. I mean, she has. I think that she could have. And, and, you know, if this were a stage show, as we've said, um, she would. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, dancing, I, I had non-applicable because they're. I, yeah. I agree. I was like, I'd put in a. <laughs> yeah. Unless there, I mean, there are some people that say martial arts is a dance. So I guess if, if you feel that way, then it's a ten. All right. Know, but whatever. Um, <laughs> how about the acting, the voice acting in this movie? What'd you think? I think that the voice acting is actually top tier. I think that it it absolutely lends itself because there's times when I've had friends say a line from the movie in the most perfect character voice of any of the characters that they're doing. And I know exactly what they're referring to. And that's how you know that it's so iconic. Like, um, when, you know, like, uh, she's a woman, like, <laughs> I'm going to reference it again. Um, you know, like, that's, that's a really iconic moment. And I think that the voice acting in this movie is really, really on point. What do you think? I, I agree. I mean, I love, I mean, even though there's, um, I, I felt like the interactions in this movie are so interesting because you go from um, Mulan being really talked down to and, mm-hmm. you know, especially from the, the matchmaker in the beginning and then throughout the entire training sequence. But what I thought was interesting, and this is why I gave the voice acting a 10, is what Manuel Ferreira does with that character in their showdown at the end. Really interesting. He doesn't, he doesn't look down to Milan um, as, as a woman. He doesn't take her not serious. He doesn't take her. It's not like he doesn't take her seriously. He looks at her as a, as a worthy adversary. Yeah. And I, I caught that this time I was watching. I was like, Oh wow. He's like, he's, you know, cause like this woman slaughtered his entire <laughs> like army. Yeah. So yeah. he's treating, she's treating her with reverence in that way. Um, yeah. And I, I caught on to that. I was like, "Wow, okay, that's good for good good note right there." So yeah, that that got a ten for me. Um, and we mentioned this before: design, the art direction. Yeah, the art direction we have to talk about because it's absolutely stunning. Hit me. And, Go ahead. Um, what do you got? It, it's so beautiful. I gave it a ten. Of course. Yeah. Of course. What were some of the things that that jumped out to you when it came to, came to the design? You know, at the very beginning, when they're showing the house, like even the house that they're that she's growing up in. Um, the detail of like the woodwork and like, even, you know, when you go to like the, where the uh, ancestors live with like the kind of, um, little, you know, shrines that they have to each person, 
it's so beautiful. It's just beautiful. And like this, the most iconic moment in any Disney heroine film is her pulling out that sword and seeing her reflection in it. And then that sequence of like her jumping on the horse. Y'all, that is beautiful. <laughs> and I, I it, t- that, that scene with the music that, that Jerry Goldsmith had composed behind it, it just sounded oh, so badass. <laughs> So good. So badass. Yeah, no, I'm. I, you're 100 percent right. A gorgeous movie. Um, this is right around that era where they started kind of um integrating computer animation yeah. into a lot of the stuff that they did. But here, it didn't. It didn't look distracting in a way when they did it. So, Not at all. I agree with you because I I hated that switch. I still hate that switch. I would much rather watch a hand drawn movie, much to the chagrin of any artist. Um, but uh, this movie never once felt silly or um fake it all felt really tactile which i think is important like when you watch the dust come up anytime they're um traveling or you know because it's so scenic you guys like watching this again you're kind of like this is like a national geographic (laughs) movie um but yeah love it love it all right well let's get into the musical numbers themselves yeah um First of all, you know, we talked about it before, but the music in this movie is, I think it's its great. Um, some people might say it's not as great as the Alan Mack and Howard Ashman stuff, but what is really? So, like, come on now. I think that's an unrealistic <laughs> comparison to make, but I come thought on. it was good. Um, numbers that we needed, honestly, we can't really do anything because nothing was really, this wasn't a pre-existing, you know, musical to be made of. But right. what is, a, what is? let's start with this. What is not a bop? Not a bop? For you. All right. Um. I had a hard time with this question because Mm -hmm. I think a lot of them are bops. And I think that because I grew up with this, I really love the whole thing. So I'm going to say that um, a girl worth fighting for is not a bop. It's a, it's an okay song, but we can't call it a bop. Can't call it a bop. I had the exact same reaction. I mean, I, I always felt like numbers, you know, that we needed, we just needed more, I think we just needed more music. I was like, man, I just yeah. love more music. But like, yeah, I, that that one of all the songs in it, yeah, not a bop. Not also, a bop. let me throw something out here, even though it's not a category thing. You guys know that Eddie Murphy can sing, right? Like, that guy can really sing. And I'm like, not even being kind of funny. Like, don't look up that music video he did with Michael Jackson, because that's a problem in itself. <laughs> but <laughs> if you look up Party All the Time... Which, that might be a deep cut. I don't even know if you know that song. But Eddie, like, would make fun of in his stand-up singers. Like, he would make fun of, like, Steve Stevie Wonder. But, like, all in play. But he would do perfect impersonations. And you're like, oh, no, no, no. Eddie can actually sing. He's, like, being funny, but he can really sing. So I would have loved a song that featured him a little bit. Because they could have done it. And it would have been really funny. Because it's like, if you're going to utilize them anyways, just do it. Just do it. Yeah. No, I, it's funny. I had read, and I can't remember where I read this, and I couldn't find the link when I was doing the research for this podcast. Mm-hmm. But to my recollection, the song that's on the soundtrack, True to Your Heart, which is done by 98 Degrees. 98 Degrees. And <laughs> we wonder, was actually a song from Mushu um, in the movie. Stop it. So that I can't, I wish I could get a hundred percent confirmation on that. Cause I can't find that factory now, but I remember reading that that was an original song for Mushu to sing um, during their journey to catch up with the, the army, so to speak. And uh, they just decided not to do it. But. See, see guys, I was right. Stevie Wonder and Eddie Murphy. 
Boom, boom, boom. And what's a bop to you? Oh, my gosh. Bring honor to us all any day of the week. You put that thing on, and I am like, please bring honor to us, please bring honor to us, please bring honor to us, please bring. Like, it's like so good. Um, I think that that is my favorite bop in the whole movie. It's so silly, but it's because it's also, you know, it's a girl thing to be like, she just wants to. <laughs> I think it's just the matchmaker bit. I can do any one of the moments in that song, I think, are just so much fun to sing when she's like, Ancestor, hear my prayer. <laughs> it's just like, oh my gosh, this girl, she's fighting so hard. Anyways, I, I could go on. <laughs> good choice. Good choice. I mean, I, I, it was a toss up between reflection and I'll make a man out of you. Because I just love, I love the training sequence. I love that montage. It's so good. Oh, yeah. Because it's like, it looks like it's a camera sweeping over a horde of people. And you have oh. to remember that it's not a camera. <laughs> it's not a camera. And then they end with that, like, that jumping high kick. And they're all like, oh, oh. I'm like, oh, amazing. Again, could that even, could that have that epic feel in the movie? We don't know. We don't know. And, yeah. but why, you know, I, I went with reflection for a couple of reasons. One is... I feel it's a song that's 20 years ahead of its time to be in an animated movie. Number I one, agree. number two, um, the, the, just the design of it while they're, while she's singing is just gorgeous, which she's wiping off the makeup like one half at a time. I'm like, Oh, oh. gorgeous, gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, plus I did that. I performed that song in a drag show. Um, so that's why, and that video, You're emotionally invested. I'm emotionally invested. I actually, at the last second grabbed someone's umbrella to do like the whole like thing <gasps> with it. Like it just was uh, umbrella side of the table. I was just like, give me that real quick. Boom, boom, boom. Um, so yeah, it's partial to that, but that, that, by the way, those photos will never see the light of day. I was going to say, can I please? <laughs> but you know, it's also Bob is Christina Aguilera's version of that song at the end of the movie during the end of the credits. Okay. So that's what I wanted to bring up. Please guys. I love Leah. Leah and I go way back. We've never met. Um, <laughs> but Christina Aguilera slaying that song. And of course, every Disney movie is not complete with like one female artist of the time covering the song. Like P.S. This is just a PSA. If you have not heard Jesse J's version of um, Part of Your World from Little Little Mermaid, you're selling yourself short. It's the best. I, I love it. Oh my God. Oh my God. As soon as we hang up, that's your go. <laughs> like, I'm glad that you gave me that. You're going to listen to Jackie Chan and I'll listen to Jesse J. So. Oh, perfect. 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 But like Christina Aguilera doing reflection is really iconic. And the music video is also iconic and um, it's worth a listen. So there. And, and this is like pre-discovered Christina Aguilera. Like I read that like, because of her performance on this soundtrack, that's yes. how she got her record deal with RCA. And this was yeah. like a couple of years before Jeannie in a Bottle. So um, yeah. when Jeannie, Bond, Jeannie came out. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, oh, oh, okay. That's a reflection. Cool. So it's awesome. really strong. Really strong. All right. So let's give out some awards. These are very prestigious awards, obviously. Yes! So our Julie Award, which goes to the best singer in this movie. I mean, is there any other choice? We have to just, let's say it. One, two, three. Leah Salonga. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Come on now. Um, who gets a Russell Crowe, though? Oh, well, I mean, let's just throw him under the bus and say Donny Osmond. <laughs> just just because we hate that it wasn't BD. 
that was that was like choice one a for me one b was actually matthew wilder himself who did the singing voice of ling during fighting for like it is but he's purposely being bad like that's like it's cringe on purpose which is different cringe on purpose exactly exactly and finally who gets your bumlet award what what background secondary character kind of stole the dog what movie for you oh i think that the cricket yeah the cricket is not an actual auditory character but it's that classic classic guys this never goes out of style of silent comedy and like <laughs> every time the cricket like when the cricket jumps into the tea and is sitting there like it's a jacuzzi <laughs> freaking funny you guys that's my that's my bumlet what about you you know, I gave it to that was the cricket was a candidate. The dog at the beginning was a candidate for me. I ended up giving it to the panda that they're writing to give that because <laughs> it just looks like the panda's like just eating and and it's it just and when it climbs up on the tree, I I laugh for a good minute and a half when it climbs up on the tree. At, at oh the, yeah, direction. So that mm-hmm. got my bumblet. Um, all right, well, let's. It's come to that time where we typically like to ask this question of like, should this get a remake? We already know the answer. Of if it's gonna get a remake, it is. It's been yes. pushed back till I, I have no idea when this movie's gonna come they out. They had right? an LA premiere, which is weird. Very so. weird. Very weird. I think I had heard that it's. I I think it was like August or June at the at the earliest this movie potentially could come out. But, but like in the Heights just postponed. West Side Story just postponed. Like guys, we probably aren't gonna have these for a hot minute. Yeah. So yeah. Um, obviously this is getting a remake. But I think that the real question for this particular episode of the pod is, should this be on stage? It's, it's a good, it's a hard yes for me. Yeah. 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 And I, and I hate to like, cause I, I know that there are so many eager musical theater, um, Asian actresses out there that have not been given the opportunities um, but I would love to see Eva Noblezada play this. I, I know that mm. there's other women out there, but if it can't be me, let it be Eva. <laughs> because, because Eva Eva has the voice for it. You right. know, and she can be so strong. And honestly, she can present a masculine energy that I think a lot of people would want to see in that role. Mm-hmm. Um, I would die to see this on stage. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and there's so many creative things you could do with it where, you know, a lot of people would be like, oh, well, what are you going to do about the avalanche scene? I don't know. Look what they did with the gazelle uh, stampede and lion king. Hire so, Julie Taymor. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, she can do it. You know what? She studied Asian puppetry. <laughs> so, yeah. There you go. I mean, with the with the film remake, the, I won't lie. There were things that I saw that I, I didn't like. Um yeah. I didn't like how they cut all the music. I thought just keep something in there. I don't know. Um, yeah, I what don't. Reason? Yeah, I don't like this shape shifting witch evil sidekick to the villain. That th- that doesn't make sense to me. Not needed at all. But um, yeah, there's so there's little things here and there that I'm just like well, I don't know about that. Yeah. But we'll see. But either way, this is by far one of our most you know favorite. Um, Disney animated films uh, ever. Um, and I definitely recommend it uh, to anybody who hasn't seen it yet. And uh, if you haven't seen it yet, sorry for spoiling. <laughs> basically, if you haven't movie. seen it yet, get Disney plus and have a day to yourself. Jesus. Do it. Do it, please. <laughs> yeah. Well, Grace, this was a real pleasure as always. Um, real quick. I mean, you've got some exciting things going on to talk about. So please, what is going on? Tell us everything. 
Sure. So guys, if you haven't already subscribed to my podcast, Tell Me on a Sunday, it comes out every Sunday. It's been really fun. It's not just musical theater, but a lot of it is. And um, it's just a really great like storytelling platform for me and all of my guests. And it's a really great time. And honestly, you will like it. I swear. <laughs> Um, it's a lot of fun. And so I just did a, a podcast with um, Drew Gasparini, who has also who's been asked to do the music for the Karate Kid. We mm. kind of talked about that a little bit. Um, and also like he it's not on the podcast, but I'll just tell you if you're kind of like because we are talking about like Asians in film and, and music and whatever. Um, they flew him because he's a white guy, just being honest. They flew him to Japan and had him study a lot of um, cultural things that he might have not understood before because he's also working with traditional Asian instruments that he's never seen before. Wow. And the way the way that they are taking care of this production is so responsible. And and I'm hearing that straight from him. And he's like, I have no reason to be like, because I'm, I'm getting a check, you know? <laughs> he was like, I have no reason to say this, but like, I want people to support it knowing that it is a responsible production and they're trying to pay a lot of honor to the cultural ties that it has. And I was like, you know what? That's really nice. <laughs> it's nice to hear. So I hope that you guys are, um, if you see anything more about it, that you uh, don't hate on it immediately. <laughs> and, um, it, I think it's going to be really good. I heard some of the beginning and uh, it, it's pretty beautiful. So, awesome. so yeah, wow. but you get to hear him on the podcast. You get to hear Ethan Slater, Josh Lehman. Um, I also have a lot of, like, great female creatives. I have, um, coming up, I have the uh, director for The Walking Dead. She's an incredible female director, um, Rosemary Rodriguez. So, anywho, wow. guys, it's an awesome time. And I love being a part of Onstage Blog. And you guys are going to hear a lot more about movie musicals because we've got the time. We've got the time. So, and yeah, that, that's awesome. And, and folks, if you haven't listened to that podcast, uh, it is fantastic. It is listed on our website under the Onstage Blog Podcast Network. But it's also on every every podcast streaming service imaginable. So yes. get out there and listen. It's It honestly is a really fun time. If you just like to, it, I mean, one, one thing I love about it is just you make it seem like you're in the room just gabbing and talking about fun things. So totally. that's what it's all about. That's what yeah. it's all about. Um, awesome. Well, Grace, thank you as always. Thank you. Love it. And folks, we will see you right here next week on the movie musical shakedown. Love is like oxygen. Love is a many splendid thing. Love lifts us up where we belong. All you need is love.